When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Good morning. This is the Friday Fireside, and I have a treat for all of you. Next to me over there somewhere, actually over there somewhere, is Marshall Cohen, who is one of the individuals who made this business as we know it today. Uh, And you could also blame him for pretty much everything that we all screwed up. But anyway, (laughs) Marshall, how are you? I'm great, and you know I I I drug out this uh, Hawaiian shirt to honor you because See that? it's it's not as it, it it's not as busy as yours, but it's what I had. Well, the correct word for what this is is also what people use to describe me, which is loud. Yes, yeah, that's good. It's, I I like loud. Yeah, loud is important these days. L- loud is important these days. Loud was important when you got started at Wasek. And uh, running the movie channel and working on uh, MTV stuff with uh, Bob Pittman. And, and I guess Freston came along a little bit later after that. And uh, tell us just a little bit how, how you got started in this wacky business. By the yeah. Way. Well, you know, Bob was 26 when he hired me. You know, you think about that, you know, just a, like a few years out of uh, college, basically. Yep. I was 29. I was older than Bob. And uh, he hired me to be the head of programming for the movie channel. That was our 24 hour a day, uh, you know, channel that played movies and only movies. Our big competitor was HBO, who was not even on 24 hours a day. They went off the air at one o'clock in the morning. And so we had this huge benefit that we were on all the time. And so uh, I remember going out and doing some ads on the street, you know, with a with a microphone. And we said, what do you like about the movie channel? And somebody says, well, it's just like the Howard Johnson and the hospital. Um, they're they're always open. <laughs> Interesting comparison. You know? um, so uh, we were always open and we use that as our benefit. And of course, we. Uh, we made it known that HBO wasn't, you know, on all the time. And then along came Showtime, your channel. Um, and that became like the triple pay, the triple pay, you know, people would have HBO and Showtime and the movie channel. So and then we had that 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 perfectly creative brand name for the corporation, Showtime, the movie channel. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> right. huh? Yeah. Right. Well, how about Wasac, Warner MX Satellite Entertainment <laughs> Company? You know, half Warner. Half American Express, two cultures that like could never really talk to to each other very well, um, but somehow we could, you know we got through that. And then Wasac um, also created you know Nickelodeon. Uh, then we went on and made uh, MTV. Then we went on and made VH1. Then we went on and made comedy. Uh, again, HBO had a comedy channel. 
uh, MTV networks had a comedy channel. The cable operator didn't want to take either. So we merged the two of them and set up a, um, a board to, to, to run comedy. And, um, and I was fortunate to serve on that board. Talk about a fun board to be, I, to be on, half HBO, half movie channel. So in, in interesting meetings. Yeah. But Freston was uh, actually um, the head of marketing for the movie channel back then. Um, you know, Pittman basically, you know, was the, I think, CEO or COO at that time. But Freston was like the director of marketing back then. And then, of course, he went on to to lead the company. Yeah, he did. Um, I remember one quick conversation I had with him. I left Showtime in 91 to go off and do my nonprofit stuff. And I came back and the business in 94 and I was talking to him about what he needed. He, he said something to me that just rings to me to this day. He said, I just want to know who's watching my stuff. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's a Prestonism, I think, but yeah. I mean, pointed targeted right there. It's what still, still, that's what we want. Yeah. Who's watching our stuff. And, and we're having, you know, more and more difficulty not to change the topic to media research, but, you know, there's so many platforms. There's so many things that are new. You've got, you know, you've got a million companies out there trying to measure and understand what's going on and who's watching what. Uh, and then, of course, you got the old Nielsen uh, company, uh, you know, trying to keep up with the technology and what's going on. And, of course, you know, they are slow and they do not move quickly. And uh, in the meantime, everybody wants to know who's watching my stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, is it Nielsen's not a client of yours? No. Okay. Right. No. They, no. We we we've had a number of skirmishes over the past uh, a few years. We've we we we've all had skirmishes. I just have yeah. this opinion about Nielsen that somewhere sometime every single one of us is violating a nielsen patent somewhere we can't breathe in this business without violating some nielsen patent and if they ever take the henry ewan wrote without hopefully pissing off the entire world doing it um and actually try to enforce that stuff i think there's a lot there in their intellectual property yeah, I just, uh, uh, you know, think like a lot of people think they need to be more nimble. They need to be faster. Uh, when You know, when people started watching television on iPads, you know, there's a lot of study and review that goes on there. Study yes. and review, you know, as opposed to let's uh, let's work on it and let's measure it. I, right. We don't we don't need to badmouth them. They're, they're mm -hmm. getting badmouthed enough. OK, so. But a lot of Nielsen information is used to empower the sale of advertising. You have some interesting anecdotes about advertising. Your early days at MTV. Now, it was there was an issue and you talked to consumers. Now, you guys actually talked to consumers. Yeah. You, you broke the rules. All the rest of us just sat in conference rooms and talked yeah. to each other. You actually went and talked to a Who does that? Yeah, I think that really came from Bob Pittman. Uh, he was a radio guy. Mm -hmm. before. He was a television cable guy. And they in radio, they were, even way back then, testing music, testing hooks. 
So they would play over the phone little pieces of music to people and say, is this one of your favorite songs? Are you are you tired of this song? Do you hate this song? Right. And the main answer with radio was like, I'm tired of that song. And when that happens, uh, you know, pull it off, it off the schedule, you know. So Bob was a very consumer research oriented radio guy. And lucky for me, um, you know, he said, we need a research guy around here to like, you know, talk to consumers. So, um, you know, we did it. We used to say MTV was the most researched uh, cable network ever. Yeah. In the, of course, there weren't that many cable networks, but we used to say that. And um, we would sit down with uh, MTV viewers all the time doing focus groups. We did, um, we did quantitative studies, whatever. But I remember in focus groups, um, you know, asking people, what do you like most about MTV? What do you like least about MTV? Well, they like ads the least about MTV. I hate those ads. You should get rid of those ads. I hate those ads. And of course, that's what you hear even today about television is like people say, I hate advertising. A lot of the time, it's not relevant to you, you know. Or you but see it even, even on MTV. Times. Yeah, even on MTV, it was kind of relevant because you had those kind of ads. But um, the bottom line was we said, oh, so, you know, if we took the ads off, you know, we could charge you money for like a subscription to MTV and then we could take the ads off. And they're like, no, no, don't, you know, don't do that. Like, I don't want to pay. I'll just take the ads. I like the ads. Oh, you like the ads. Yeah, I like the ads. So it's easy to say you hate ads, but if you have to pay for something, then then you say, you know what, I'll, put, I'll watch those ads. I might learn something. And if, and if those ads are targeted, like they were on MTV, Kawasaki, Swatch Watch, you know, uh, uh, candy, you know, soft drinks, then that's fine. And that's where you, what you see today, you know, some people want to pay for an ad free option. And I think we should take their money if they want to pay for that, you know, you want to pay. And some people say, you know, I have enough ad free options. I have enough subscriptions. I'm already paying for this. I'm paying for that. I'll take ads. And so, and then of course, there's somewhere in between where you could pay a little bit of money and get a little bit of advertising. And every company, every platform out there just needs to figure it out. Like, what is the best, you know, monetization model for, you know, for me? You look at what Netflix is going through and had to go through to make the decision that pretty much all of us knew they were going to have to make because they were running out of cash. Yeah. Um, it, it it's a tough call to know the price point at which your premium ad-free subscriber would downgrade to the ad supported service and do you make enough money from that subscriber selling advertising to make up that difference and that that's a hurt dance that that's not a decision that anybody takes lightly yeah and i think you know, this is not easy research to do. So you've got you've got price elasticity. How much can I charge for this? You've got to know what else people are buying, what uh, what else people are doing. Right. Um, you know, how much money are they willing to fork over for uh, this kind of entertainment package, this kind of entertainment service? Um, 
And then, you know, I just use the word package, but we're really talking about bundles. You know, remember in the days of Showtime, Movie Channel, HBO? Oh, if you buy one, it's uh, $15. But if you buy two, you know, we'll give it to you for $8 each. So right. it's more than one, but it's a lot less, you know, per channel if you, we bundle it, you know, whatever. And all of those techniques work um, and all of them need to be researched. And, you know, and you can't be wrong when you do that research, right? No. Because, you know, your revenue could go down to zero. The real interesting thing is the people that need to make those calls are not just the HBO guys and just the Disney folks and just it's an aggregator. And I live right down the street from the folks in Philadelphia. And yeah, frankly, to my mind, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, aggregation is, that's their DNA. That's what they do best. And now they've got, you know, partnerships and broadband and they could aggregate their brains out and let people go in and out and in and out as often as they want. And they just collect the money. Yeah. And speaking of going in and out, you know, back in the day when we were doing this with pay TV, uh, it was not that easy to drop your showtime or drop no, your HBO, you know, and um, you called your cable operator to drop your HBO and they like talked you out of it and uh, they gave you a special deal and blah, blah, blah. You know, today, uh, the younger uh, demos uh, are all online. They're all on their apps. They know that there's a show on HBO Max that they want to watch and they, you know, and they watch it, watch it, and then they're done with watching it. And then they, they discontinue, you know, their HBO Max, or they sign up for Netflix and watch a show and then discontinue that. And they go on and off and on and off. And we do quantitative, uh, we do qualitative research with a lot of these younger um, uh, demos. And they're extremely savvy about turning services on, turning them off. Um, and back in our day, people just didn't do that. They just, you know, sat tight and, and bought their one or two or three services and, and hardly ever, you know, churned on them. Uh, and that's why you see the churn rates are so high. And then, you know, there's new services coming out all the time. I mean, there's a bunch of things that are fairly new within the past year or two. And it's, so people it's, add it's, them. It's Monday. I think three already launched today. Yeah. And people add them, and then they say, what am I going to drop? Right. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I had some conversations with some friends recently about uh, binge scheduling, right, yep. versus sequential. And what that does for subscriber value churn, but also, you know, how much money you're making back from that subscriber over the lifetime. You got, got an opinion on that? Well, I just think that, you, you know, there needs to... With, with television, there's always been this big, you know, anticipation for things, right? Like you anticipate yeah. the, you know, the uh, uh, the Super Bowl and it's coming. And, you know, two weeks before there's interviews and there's more stuff and there's more hype. 
you know, you had George Schweitzer on the other day and, you know, like he's the master at just absolutely getting people to like really be at their set at a certain time and watch the CBS show that he's, you know, pushing that week. And, um, you know, the, the binge, you said this, I watched this in your George interview. You said, this is like a library and you have a library card and you go in and you take out what you want. You know, that's very different than this big thing that's going to be on at eight o'clock Saturday night and you better be there. You know, that's different. You know, that's like you're taking the stuff on your time, your schedule, you know, you're watching it based on when you want to watch it. And I think television still needs those big anticipatory, you know, events, um, where people are really looking forward to something and they all gather. Um, and I think that's still very important. Do you think that you use the word anticipation? If I am anticipating the next episode of House of the Dragon, having watched two yeah. and it's coming up to the end of the week and I know the new one's going to be here on Sunday, it's going to be here on Sunday. Do I create a for myself a greater perception of value for that experience and that extended over eight weeks of I'm gonna watch them watch it versus just wait to the end of it and wapo do everything in yeah. one in one weekend. I, I would you know I don't know the answer to that question. But what I would say if you were my client is I want to know how you uh, operationally define value. Mm. So it could be that you don't churn. It could be that it's a number on a scale. How much do you value your, you know, HBO, whatever. It could be something else. We really need to better understand exactly what you mean by value. And are you talking about simply staying with the service and not churning out of there? Right. Or, you know, or, or what? Um, So I think, you know, I think it's a great question. I don't, I don't know exactly the answer to that. And and or talking to my friends about it, you know. Yeah, That's, right. I, I, I'm I a great salesperson for, to my friends about something I like. Yeah, no, I, I work. I, I work for a really wonderful company called Diesel Labs, and they came out of the the group that uh, used to be called Bluefin Labs, but they monitor what people are talking about online when it comes to entertainment. There you go. And. Um, and you know talking about it and posting and um you know uh move, you know writing tweets and liking things and all of that kind of stuff you know they think uh at diesel labs that um that kind of interaction and that kind of promotion which is really person to person um is, is very important to a lot of you know entertainment properties I'm one of those who believes that actually listening to a consumer is every bit as important, if not more important, than simply watching the numbers. You know, what I do statistically this week or this month may have no relationship to how I actually feel about what I did. Yeah. I mean, you know, when Jerry Laybourne ran Nickelodeon, uh, she used to say to me, what are the what's with kids? You know, what are they worried about? <laughs> what uh I'm a grandfather, I still don't know. Yeah. No, so we th- we used to do research with kids that was not at all like 
about television or television shows, we would ask kids what they were worried about and what are they thinking about and what was going on, you know, in their lives. And I actually remember a presentation um, where I was standing in front of a group of, uh, you know, kid experts, ad agencies and marketing and people. And I said, okay, so here's a group of uh, questions. What are kids worried about? What What do you think the kids said? And everybody raised their hand and said, oh, they're, they're worried about nuclear war, you know, because mm-hmm. that's what they, that's what they thought, you know, and I said, no, that was actually not one of the things they were worried about. They're worried about their parents getting a divorce. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, and if you're not a kid, you know, it's hard to know what the answer to that question is. So Jerry Laybourne, when she ran Nickelodeon, uh, I remember a meeting one time we brought in a, a somebody brought in a, a, a carton box or a, a box of a, a VCR, remember VCRs? And they said, here's the VCR for the kids, blah, blah, blah. And she said, really, did the kids like that box? And the marketing person said, I, I don't know. She said, didn't you show that box to the kids? No. Well, you better go take that box and show it to a bunch of kids. Because how the hell do you know what they like? Right. And so every single thing that we did at Nickelodeon was, you know, tested with with kids. I remember there's a great Double Dare story. Double Dare was like a gigantic show for Nickelodeon. It was on Nickelodeon, then it went into syndication. Right. Nickelodeon a ton of money but it was created in the basement of NYU with a bunch of uh, easels and a camcorder you know big camcorder and uh, they shot uh, they shot a round of double dare uh, in the basement of NYU it was really you know it might even have been black and white or really ugly and we showed it to kids and we said what did you know what did you think and the kids said I hated the end well, the end was like the best thing. It was like the obstacle course. And it was like, why did you hate the end? Well, you had to go from obstacle one to two to three to four. You went through like 10 obstacles. If you got through the 10th obstacle, if you got them all, then you won the prizes. And the kids said, that's not fair. You should get a prize for each one that you do. <laughs> and if you get through all of them at the end, then you should get even more prizes, okay? So the kids saw that it was, like, not the way they wanted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Jerry Laybourne's back there, you know, behind the glass going, like, yeah, they're, you know, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And so we immediately just changed it. If you did obstacle one and two and three and that's all you got, you got three prizes. Um, So, you know, listening to the consumer, whether it's a direct question on the, issue at hand or something even less direct. Um, you know, when I was at Univision, we asked uh, Hispanic um, viewers, uh, tell us about your Thanksgiving dinner. What is, or what are the, you know, the cool um, dishes that, you know, people have at Thanksgiving dinner? And I remember people who worked for me saying like, why are, why are we asking that? Well, we're we're warming them up. We're getting them to talk about their family. And, you know, family's important to Hispanic, uh, the Hispanic demo. And we're trying to figure out, like, what is it that, you know, we can do to make 
Univision be part of that, you know, family of, mm -hmm. you know, uh, of, of that household. You know, it was like our way in. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, listening to the consumer, it's like what I've done my whole career. And I, I started doing it when I had dark hair and I'm still doing it. Well, guess what? Speaking of uh, talking long enough to have your hair change color and in my case, lose it. Um, we're about out of time. So Marshall Cohen, thank you. But I really appreciate your time. It was so great to see you. And I love that you're doing these interviews. I watch every single one. <laughs> um, you are loud. I am loud. But, you know, that's what you need. I mean, trying to break through in what you do, or if you have a television show, or if you have a platform, breaking through and getting people to notice what is going on is, you know, I mean, people are now talking about attention a lot. Like, how do you get people's attention? How do you measure attention? You know, whatever. It's fundamental, right? It's fundamental that we, we get attention. There you go. All right. That's it. This will air on Friday. Thank you, Marshall Cohen. And I will say to all my friends out there, as I always do, just be nice to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.